Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Welcome to, to Front Porch Conversation on Justice. Uh, we have as our guest today, Philip Harris. Philip Harris is a pastor in Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, so we'll be right back with you in a few minutes. Uh, to start this dialogue with Pastor Harris. You may have to go to the end of the room or go down the hall somewhere. Okay.
good day, good day. We, we're we're here live today with Front Porch Conversation on Justice, and we're going to talk today with Pastor Philip Harris from Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, he's here for the Mid-Atlantic Justice Conference Light, which takes place tomorrow from 11.30 until uh, 6 p.m. at New Life Church in Hampton on Power Plant Parkway. Uh, today we're going to talk about the state of affairs in Ferguson and how lives and circumstances have changed there. And we'll look at this social justice issue and how this all evolves around Ferguson and, and the country as a whole uh, in this environment. So welcome, Pastor Harris. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you doing today, sir? Good, good, good. So tell good. us about Philip Harris and, and and how did Philip Harris evolve to where he is now? Well, uh, again, I'm Pastor Philip Harris, and I am the uh, lead pastor of uh, Spirit of Life Church in Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, we are a, a three-year-old uh, church plan in the city of Ferguson. And so um, my journey uh, started uh, with social justice. It actually started um, back in uh, 2004. Um, when I was uh, living in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, I was serving the church there as a, a children's pastor. And uh, through uh, a different course of events, uh, the Lord really began to deal with my heart uh, about uh, how I viewed and dealt with God's people. And so it was because of that event uh, that the Lord really did do an awesome work in my heart and begin to soften my heart as related to God's people. And uh, I went through a tremendous time of repentance and forgiveness and uh, just God doing a total, total change in my heart. And uh, little did I know, uh, Charles, uh, a couple years later, um, I would uh, reconnect uh, with a cousin of mine uh, who – uh, came out uh, as openly gay, and uh, it was because of him and reaching out to him and showing him the love of God um, um, that God began to really fan the flame uh, for social justice and for uh, people who were the least lost and lonely. And uh, unfortunately, he did succumb to um, HIV/AIDS and did pass away about three or four years ago. Uh, and it was that that really launched me into social justice and into social justice ministries. Um, and then, as you know, the events of Ferguson uh, is what led uh, myself along with uh, my wife uh, to play our church in Ferguson. And like I said, we are three years old uh, as of uh, June 14th of this year. So God has put us on an amazing journey, uh, for which I'm really, really thankful for. So what is the name of your church And how did your church evolve Around the events in Ferguson uh, The name of my church Again is a Spirit of Life Church And actually Our church actually started uh, uh, In June of 2014 And uh, Our church actually Started uh, we, We've always been a church That has been socially justice minded and um, from the very beginning, and um, actually, uh, 
we were on our way to church. We had church on Saturday night, and we were actually meeting uh, in South City, St. Louis, uh, at the time we first started the church. Um, and at the time, my wife and I were actually living in Ferguson. Um, and the, the afternoon of uh, the Mike Brown murder, uh, we were actually on our way to church. And uh, it wasn't until we got to church that we realized uh, what had happened in Ferguson. And so um, as a result of that, uh, what, I, what I quickly uh, started to do uh, was going knocking on doors to people in my neighborhood, checking on people, things like that, because uh, the record, right after the murder happened, uh, Ferguson pretty much shut down. And so we began to, again, knock on doors, talk to people, realizing there was a really big need in Ferguson because people weren't able to go to school, uh, people weren't able to get to work, things like that. The whole city pretty much shut down. And so that uh, uh, we decided as a church at that moment that it would be best for us to actually move our church to Ferguson. And so uh, we actually had our first service in Ferguson uh, in uh, December of 2014, right after uh, the indictment came. Uh, and so uh, us being in Ferguson has really uh, um, uh, transformed not only our church, but also transformed how we as a congregation uh, view our community, see our community, and things like that. Like I said, it's been a, it's been a real blessing for us. And so uh, um, we never intended on moving our church. We, we had never intended uh, to move the church to Ferguson, um, uh, we saw our opportunity and we responded to that opportunity, and um, and uh, we've been blessed by it ever since. So, what has been the biggest hurdle that you all have had to jump over in order to effectively engage in social ministry within the uh, Ferguson confines? Uh, the the biggest hurdle that we've had. That we that we have had to to uh, deal with is um, actually um, other other churches in Ferguson. Um, uh, that's probably been the biggest hurdle um, because uh, this is just from my uh, experience and from my personal opinion. Um, I believe uh, a lot of the a lot of the other churches in Ferguson. I believe we're not doing uh, an effective job, and so um, so one of the biggest hurdles was that we saw, and that, that I'm continuing continuing to see, is that we we had to uh, gain the trust of the people, because uh, again, this is just my opinion. Uh, before uh, the Mike Brown murder, the church there had been pretty complacent, pretty comfortable, pretty you know just you know, status quo. And so, again, the biggest hurdle that we had to face was was when the murder happened and pretty much everyone converged on Ferguson, um, trying to help, trying to offer assistance, trying to do, trying to do for the people. And then with all the hype and glamour uh, ended and everyone left, it kind of left the city in kind of like shambles. And so the biggest struggle for us, again, has been trying to really gain the trust of the people um, 
letting people know that we are not like every other church, letting people know that, you know, we are really here to help meet the needs um, of the community. And also, uh, and also us being a congregation, a church that also is so heavily involved with social justice. And so uh, that's also been a struggle for us because um, what I've learned um, is doing this kind of work that not every church um, uh, claims to have a social justice stance. And what I've also learned that every uh, ha- being a pastor that has a social justice mindset is not is is not really popular or glamorous, um, especially in the city of St. Louis. So. so, what types of things are you all doing? Uh, to address the social justice needs uh, of the people in Ferguson, and at the same time, uh, piggybacking on that, uh, what what needs have the people identified that you all are addressing that other churches aren't addressing? Well, like I mentioned before, we we are a church plant, and so we, we have to we're church plant number one. Number two, we uh, also do, do not own a building. And so we have to come at church a little differently. We have to really think outside of the box uh, as it relates to us doing ministry uh, in Ferguson and and also in St. Louis. Um, One of the things that we uh, do uh, is that we have an adopt-a-school program um, that we started from uh, the day one of our ministry conception. Uh, every year we do a school supply drive uh, for our, uh, at our at our church, and so and we commit to uh, adopting uh, one school a year, and so every year we collect school supplies, and then we uh, as a church we decide to give um, uh, the supplies to uh, a local elementary school in our area. Uh, the first year uh, that we did it, we uh, uh, we actually um, adopted uh, one school. In the second year, we adopted uh, uh, two schools. And then this, again, this will be our third year doing this. And this year, we're hoping to adopt uh, another school as well. And so, uh, and then also, what we, we also have a ministry uh, that we call our uh, Displaced Populations Ministry. Uh, something that I realized after the Mike Brown murder is that Ferguson has a, 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 a homeless population that I knew nothing about. And so where Ferguson sits in the St. Louis area, there is, uh, there's not a homeless shelter uh, anywhere in our area uh, within the Ferguson, North County, St. Louis area. So what we also do is uh, each, uh, we also, this is an ongoing ministry that we have. We are, uh, we collect um, uh, toiletries, uh, coach jackets, scarves, snacks, things like that, and we 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 put them in uh, Ziploc baggies, and we uh, make hygiene kits, and we just go ahead, we just distribute them uh, to different homeless uh, folks uh, in and around Ferguson and other parts of St. Louis as well. Uh, we also have a ministry uh, called the uh, 2911 Initiative that my wife started. Uh, my wife serves as my uh, co-pastor. And uh, it's a ministry uh, uh, that uh, that uh, is, is a ministry that helps um, 
young families with children birth to two years old. And it's basically a big uh, uh, pantry that uh, we open up uh, to single moms, new parents, uh, things like that. We offer, uh, we give out diapers, um, uh, a diapers, um, baby wipes, clothes, anything that a, a newborn, a toddler may need. We have an open pantry where people can come and get those supplies. Uh, we give out gift cards uh, to people who are hungry. Uh, we uh, we do a lot of different other different types of ministries as well. Also, uh, we are are heavily involved uh, with the different protests that are going on uh, in Ferguson and outside of Ferguson uh, as well as well. So uh, we we are a very busy church. And last year, uh, most churches in the St. Louis area um, uh, do. Uh, church anniversary services, and uh, we decided that we were not going to. We did that our first year, uh, and it wasn't as successful as I, you know, had have, have hoped to be. So last year, uh, we actually hosted uh, our our very first social distance conference at our church uh, in lieu of having a quote-unquote church anniversary service, and we were able to uh, bring people uh, from different parts of Ferguson and St. Louis to come to our church to have a conversation um, uh, about different social, about different topics and things like that as relates to social justice, and then finally, what we do is uh, this is the new ministry uh, that we're starting um, uh, that we started this year called the Table, and uh, uh, the first weekend of every month uh, we forgo uh, our uh, our normal weekend worship service. And we uh, we actually have a meal, uh, a free meal, and we invite people to come out, and we talk about uh, whatever topic they want to talk about. We racism, things about the Bible, whatever topic people want to talk about. We we uh, just uh, share a meal together around tables, and we have a conversation. Um, and to me, I I. I consider that more church than me standing behind the pulpit and preaching. And that's also been really beneficial and very helpful to the people, not only in our congregation, but people outside our uh, our church, uh, outside uh, our four walls who may be unchurched, de church, hurt by the church, things like that. So um, we try to do things a little differently <laughs> than most churches. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Well, how, does, how yeah. have those conversations help heal the community there? Uh, are there still some uh, deep-rooted tensions uh, that the, I know I, from hearing you, you all are addressing some of those things by listening and engaging in conversations that are needed mm-hmm. yeah. as a whole, yeah. what is happening there? Uh, I, again, th- these are just my opinions uh, from what I've seen. Um, um, Ferguson is still very much hurting. Um, it's been three years since um, um, the murder of Michael Brown uh, Jr., and uh, the community is still hurting. Um, there is still a lot, again, this is just my opinion, there, there, there is still a lot of uh, deep-rooted, um, embedded racism uh, that exists in not only in Ferguson, but all the other uh, municipalities 
around Ferguson and the St. Louis region as a whole. Um, uh, uh, it's very oppressive, very oppressive. And so uh, it's been difficult. It's been difficult uh, to have those conversations. It's been difficult because uh, a lot of people whom I've talked to, as well as myself, um, uh, we, we have these conversations, but then the problem that, that I'm seeing is that we have these conversations, we have these meetings, but then we need to be, we need to act on what we're talking about. If that makes any sense. And mm-hmm. so, uh, what what I've learned, it's it's good for us to have these conversations. The conversations are needed. It's good for us to have the meetings. The meetings are needed to address certain issues. But now that now that we've had the conversations, now that we've had these meetings, what are we going to do to show some type of action move forward. And so, um, again, uh, the, the climate, um, again, is very, in, in my opinion, is still very, very oppressive. There's still a lot of deep-rooted racism. Um, um, I believe that the city is trying to move forward, but there's still a lot of factors that are, that are keeping the city from moving forward. And I, uh, I have met uh, some amazing people uh, who are part of the protest family who actually live in Ferguson with me, uh, who are doing uh, great things as well uh, to try to get the city to move forward, try to get the city to be more inclusive and to show more equality and to really uh, call out um, uh, police brutality and call out uh, the different systems of injustice that are taking place in the community. So. It's not just me. It's other it's other people whom I've met in Ferguson who who are doing uh, uh, great things as well. Some of the protest families that I've come in contact with. Where's where's the, the church community? Uh, are the pastors uniting to address the problem, or or is it pretty much what we saw uh, those sound bites on TV to get to get in front of the camera moments and and now that's kind of dissipated yeah. and going by the wayside. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what what I have seen, like yeah, uh, what you and other people whom I've met because I've been here in Virginia the past couple of days, um, uh, what you have seen on TV, um, these little sound bites, these different uh, big name preachers and stuff, um, um, yeah, they came to town and tried to help, but then they left. Um, and another problem that I saw was. Uh, Charles, is that um, the churches in St. Louis that were helping or trying to be of help um, were not churches within the borders of Ferguson. A lot of the churches um, that were trying to help were churches that that were located outside of the borders of Ferguson, and which was very, very disheartening to me. Um, I believe uh, right after right after the murder happened, um, we had like two two separate community prayer services uh, that that uh, occurred like right after the murder happened. And uh, when uh, my church, when when we begin to have the conversation uh, about actually moving our church from South City, St. Louis to Ferguson. 
again, we don't have a building. And so what we I had to go around calling different pastors in, law, in Ferguson, asking them, you know, hey, can we are we can we rent space from your church to have our services, things like that. And a lot of what I was hearing from a lot of the pastors and churches in Ferguson was like they they really didn't know what to do. They they, they did not know what to do. And so, and that's pretty much been the mentality of most of the churches in Ferguson is like they just don't know what to do. A lot of the churches in Ferguson are very established, uh, very traditional, very older congregations. And so, you know, a lot of them just don't know what to do. And so, uh, and so, which uh, me being a new pastor, um, 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 I have not connected. I've, the few pastors that I have, that I have connected with, uh, one of them has moved away to a different church in Kansas City. Uh, another one who I'm still really close with. Those really are only two pastors in Ferguson that I really connect with. A lot, but again, a lot of other churches in Ferguson, again, this is just my opinion, uh, are not doing uh, a very good job. Of, of of really addressing the needs of Ferguson, addressing the needs of social justice, addressing the needs uh, of the community, and that's to me that's problematic uh, for the church. So, so, so the picture looks like Ferguson before Michael Brown, um, with this with the with these cliquish churches and with, with their yeah. set congregations and you got this external community which is boiling over exactly. which doesn't which is losing hope and you know after that we we still look at the same picture but in in a more intense manner I would assume. So. Exactly. 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 Um right, you're you're totally right. Before before uh Mike Brown murder, we were actually living in Ferguson for a year. And and like I said, it, there, there there was some tension there uh, that I never felt before. And um, yeah, every, everybody was pretty much segregated as far as churches, you know, you know. You, but you could tell there was an uneasiness. If that makes any sense. Yes. Um, uh, my my wife, who's actually a St. Louis native. Uh, after the murder happened, um, she had told me that you know this, this this was it was like a pressure cooker, you know it was a pressure cooking cooker waiting to explode, and um, and it, it did it pretty much ripped the bandaid off of the open wound, if you will, uh, of of problems that St. Louis and this at that entire region has been happen, having for n- numerous years numerous years and so uh but before everybody was kind of complacent kind of in our own little cliques kind of you know um you know i didn't even know there was a problem with the police uh until uh, uh mike brown was murdered I, I had no clue i had no clue at all that uh st louis city uh ferguson other areas i i had no clue at all that that area that I lived in, uh, still live in, had a problem with the police, and so it, it really it really ripped the bandaid off and exposed a lot of things to a lot of people uh, in, in a very very short amount of time. Wow. In a very short wow. amount of time. Right. Yes, sir. And the, 
in the minute that we have left, a uh, minute and a half, uh, tell us about your book. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I wrote a book uh, called uh, Taboo, uh, Things We Don't Talk About at Church. And I'll actually have it for sale uh, tomorrow at the conference. Um, I wrote the book um, um, about a year ago. It was a book, it was a book that I struggled to write. Uh, it was uh, a book that was based off of a sermon series uh, that I did at my church uh, back in February of uh, 2015. And basically what we did was, as a congregation, we took four weeks and we talked about uh, issues that I thought we as a church needed to address. Uh, I'm a firm believer, uh, Charles, that if we, if it's happening in the world, we should be able to talk about it in church. And uh, so for four weeks, we uh, we talked about uh, immigration. Uh, I preached a sermon on immigration. I preached a sermon on racism and racial reconciliation. I preached a sermon on homelessness and poverty. And I preached a sermon on homosexuality. And... Um, and the book basically, uh, basically uh, uh, the sermon series, you know. And so uh, I talked about each one of those four topics. I talked about what the Bible says about each of those topics. And I talked about also what the church's response should be as it relates to those four topics. And I also um, I, I gave uh, some candid uh, personal testimonies uh, from my own personal life based on those books as well. Great. Thank you so much. We, we're happy to have you on today. Pastor Philip Harris from Ferguson, Missouri. And for those who like to talk to him more and get his book, we get to the Atlantic Justice Conference like tomorrow. This has been Let's Talk Justice. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.